Daniel chapter 11, we will read verses 5 through 9. Verses 5 through 9. In this passage, Daniel gives a prophecy between Syria and Egypt, king of the south and the king of the north, Daniel the prophet would call them. And between the king of the south, Egypt, and the king of the north, Syria, there is a conflict going on. But I want you to notice in this story a lesson to be learned between these two kings. Verse 5 reads, And the king of the south shall be strong, <coughs> and one of his princes, and he shall be strong above him, and have dominion. His dominion shall be a great dominion. In the end of years they shall join themselves together, for the king's daughter of the south shall come to the king of the north to make an agreement. But she shall not retain the power of the arm, neither shall he stand nor his arm, but she shall be given up, and they that brought her, and he that begat her, and he that strengthened her in these times. But out of a branch of her roots shall one stand up in his estate, which shall come with an army, and shall enter into the fortress of the king of the north, and shall deal against them, and shall prevail, and shall also carry captives into Egypt their gods, with their princes, and with their precious vessels of silver and of gold. And he shall continue more years than the king of the north. So the king of the south shall come into his kingdom and shall return into his own land. Now, you'll notice right here that in verses 5 through 9, it gives this conflict, this battle between king of the south, Egypt, and king of the north, Syria. Now, you'll notice that the king of the south suffered a betrayal at verse 6. He suffered a great disadvantage in his life where the king's daughter of the south came to make an alliance with the king of the north. And through that alliance, they tried to attack the king of the south. But through that disadvantage, you will notice that at verse 7, that out of her, there's... There stood up a person that stood up for the South, and the South was able to take an advantage of the situation and overcome the king of the North. Now, the point of today's message is that you'll notice that these lost, secular, unsaved people, that they realize that in times and situations in life, lessons can be learned. What's the lesson? The lesson is, is that any disadvantage that any lost unbelieving person goes through, that every saved believing person goes through, that they can take advantage of the situation. And I believe that in everyday life that we go through, when we go through disadvantages, we don't take opportunity of those things. We don't take advantage of those disadvantages and try to use them for a benefit for our cause and for the cause of Jesus Christ. You got to realize that in every bad thing you go through in life, there's a benefit. You got to realize that in every trial, there can be a blessing. But that can only be done if you take control of that situation, if you do something about it. If a loved one passes away and dies, there can be nothing good that can come out of it if all you do is just cry and get mad at God. But you can turn it into something good by saying, I'm going to use the testimony of my lost, uh, of my loved one who passed away. I'm going to use that testimony to give the gospel to hundreds of people who never heard the gospel before. And perhaps 
that's going to be the blessing God's going to use where you who never had the chance to witness to your lost loved ones and family members, that was the greatest chance you got. But you blew that greatest chance because instead you saw a disadvantage of that loss and you just cried and moaned about it and you didn't take advantage of it at all. So in everyday Christian life, are you taking advantage of disadvantages? I pray today's preaching will truly help your life. Taking advantage of disadvantage. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll please fill within me the power of your spirit and wash away my sins with your blood. God, I am nothing without you. And God, the devil would beat up my life and drain out my energy. But dear Lord God, you can refresh me anew with the power of yourself and might. I pray, as that verse says, it is not by might, it is not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, that you would make it come to pass upon this preacher today. May today's preaching change people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My first point is disadvantage of deficit. Disadvantage of deficit. So let's look at some things in life that you can lose. Deficit. There's a lot of disadvantages, hard times we go through in life. I'm going to try to examine every one of them so that you can be helped. Let's first talk about the deficit of company. When you become a Bible believer, you lose a lot of people, don't you? Oh, yeah. You lose a lot of friends that you were once your friends. You have family members that now think you're strange and weird. Some of you actually could have, uh, some of you probably who have a family actually do not have children. You might have a wife, you might have a husband, but you are childless. Some of you probably grew up in abandonment, in homes where you were abandoned and you didn't have anyone to love you like a mother and father. Perhaps some of you are still single and you're looking for that loved ones that you're finding one day, but it's so hard to find that because you're a Bible-believing Christian. Perhaps some of you are going through that in your life, deficit of company. I do know this is that especially when you get involved in the ministry and I see those uh, ministers' kids, their sons and their daughters, they really, really struggle in life. And the pastor and the pastor's wife get discouraged because their children don't have any children for them to play with. So deficit of company can be very, very discouraging. But instead of looking at that as a disadvantage, why don't you turn that disadvantage into an advantage? You might say, how so, preacher? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Nothing keeps you from making God your number one friend and companion. Nothing will interfere that schedule with you and God alone. See, the thing is, is that there's a great advantage in being alone. Especially people watching online, they don't have Bible-believing churches to go to. I understand how hard it is to be isolated and to be alone. But you got to realize this, is that that's perhaps the greatest advantage that you've got that a lot of other Bible-believing Christians don't have. Because when you're by yourself, guess what? Your attention and focus is so much more on God now, not on the pastor you can depend upon, not on your brother and sister in Christ you can depend upon, but just Jesus alone. See, your reliance and strength upon Jesus now will be much more than compared to other Bible-believing Christians who have large churches to go to. 
See, you got to realize that there's a great advantage to being alone. The deficit of company can give you the advantage of doing so much work for God, spending so much more time with Jesus Christ. You don't have an excuse where you don't have time to talk with Jesus Christ. You don't have an excuse where you don't have time to be able to meditate on Jesus Christ. You don't have the excuse of saying, I don't have time to think about all the things that God pulled me through in my life, in my situation. Jesus can see, seem more real to you. Prayer upon Jesus Christ may seem more real to you. And not only that, the sorrow and the struggle of loneliness that you go through, you put up, you are able to rely so much more upon Jesus now and dump those burdens on Jesus and say, Jesus, I am all alone. There's no one to talk to except you. Can you help me right here? See? There's a, an advantage. But... If you don't take advantage of that, you will remain at a disadvantage and be all alone and sad and miserable. You can't do anything about it by just leaving the disadvantage alone. You got to take that disadvantage and turn it into an advantage. It won't become an advantage until you yourself do something about it. There's a deficit of materialistic possessions. Deficit of materialistic possessions. Perhaps you're poor. And because you're poor, you don't have that much riches. You don't have all the nice things compared to your neighbors do. Or your other family members do. Perhaps you have a family yourself. But then you see your brother or your sister who have families and they live better lives than you do. Perhaps you have friends where they have a nice car. Where they have a nicer living situation. Nicer clothes. Places that they can go out and eat, whereas you don't. Your friends do, but you don't. And you lack materialistic possessions. Perhaps you're a Bible-believing pastor or a Bible-believing Christian. There's not much you can give to your children. And you want to give something to your children. You want to give something to your wife, to your husband. But you don't have anything to give to them because why? You lack materialistic possessions. And sometimes the devil will entertain thoughts in your mind where, well, hey, if you just bailed out, bailed out on church, if you just quit out on God, if you hid your Christianity better, then maybe if you just lived up like the world does, you could have probably got this much more money in your salary. You could have gotten this much more materialistic possessions. You could have lived at a nicer house, nicer living situation, nicer car. You could have been just a normal person like other people. But you got to realize this is that there can be an advantage to that. And you know what that is? Which is a blessing. And that's not feeling vanity. It's losing the vain things of this world. You got to realize there's an advantage of losing materialistic possessions. Because you got to realize this is that when you gain more and more materialistic possessions, you know what you think? You're going to think that you're entitled to those things. And when you lose some of those materialistic possessions, you're going to think, I don't deserve that. You're going to think that is not normal. Hey, who's to say what is normal, what is not normal when you lose things? Didn't you know what normal life is in some of the third world countries, what normal life is to them? And they think that this life you're living in is very, very rich. That you're rich, that you're spoiled. Not only third world countries, but even different countries around the world. They think that you Americans are spoiled. You guys got something better benefits that other people don't have. And you got to realize this is that 
That's why, why do you get upset and why do you whine, oh, I'm poor, oh, I don't have enough. No, you're not poor. You're not poor. What do you mean you don't have enough? Compared to a lot of other people, you sure got a lot in your hands. You know what you became? You became vain, see? Now you became vanity. So you better thank God God didn't make you become a billionaire or a millionaire. Because, man, would you be one spoiled, rotten person who can't break a single sweat for Jesus Christ. I guarantee you this, none, if you became a millionaire, you would never, you would never, you would never, if you were a millionaire, be able to tell somebody how to get saved. You know why? Because you're too spoiled. You're too prestigious. You're t built up so much esteem that you think a work like that is too hard for you to do. You got to realize this is that that's why it's good not to gain a lot of materialistic possessions. That's why I thank God that at nine years of age, my father gave up his materialistic possessions to become a pastor. And he moved into a place that had no air condition and gave up his nice job, nice living situation. Why? I was still young. Because God forbid, if I was 16 that time, do you know how spoiled I would have been? And I probably would not be your pastor today or help anybody out there online or people lead any souls out here today in this community. You think that I would come out all the way here? No way. I would never come out here. I would do something better with my own life. But I want to thank God that I never got to go through that experience of being spoiled rotten with so many materialistic possessions. And you better thank God that God never made you rich and you weren't born Amen. rich. There's another deficit in life you go through and that's probably results. I mean, it is very discouraging when you're trying to serve God. You don't see a lot of results in your life, right? You know what one of the greatest discouragements to newborn Christians who really want to serve God is? It's this one I notice. Deficit of results. They feel like they haven't done enough for Jesus Christ. Oh, I didn't lead a lot of souls to salvation. Oh, I was not able to know all these many doctrines. Oh, man, I haven't read through my Bible that many times like you did. Oh, man, hey, you got to stop thinking like that. You know, do you know how many Bible-believing pastors are so discouraged when they see like less than 10 people in their church and then they see other Bible-believing, I'm talking about good godly Bible-believing pastors who probably tripled the size of their membership or maybe quadrupled the size of their membership or have more than 100 or even 1,000 members in their churches? And then those Bible-believing pastors, they would think, what am I doing wrong? You know how discouraging that is? You got to realize this. There's an advantage to that. You might say, well, I don't think so. Oh, no, there's an advantage to that. There's an advantage where you have a deficit of results in the ministry, where you don't have a lot of people coming to church, where you don't have a humongous building. I'll tell you why. It's able to live more freely rather than being tied down by people. Do you know if you if we got a lot more people in this church, if your pastor here got like about 200 to maybe 500 to 1,000 people in this church, do you know how insane I would go right now with my schedule? <laughs> you already see how busy I am with my schedule. But man, if God like 10 times the amount, boy, I'd go insane, man. <laughs> I'd probably drop dead. You know why? Because you have the ministry is about dealing with people. And some of you, you got to thank God. I know we want to be Trust me, I still have that vision of reaching more people and bringing more people into our church. I wish God can make us big, but trust me, 
like Brother Rick once said, you know, one day, one day we're going to realize when God grows our church that, man, I remember that small little room in the corner over there. And then we had a small amount of people over there. And, man, we knew each other really well and we were able to have fellowship rather than a bunch of people squabbling about silly things and then taking care of this brother and that sister and all kinds of things and where we hardly spend time with each other. See, so you better thank God what we have right now, what you have right now. You know why? Because I might not be your best friend anymore soon. <laughs> I may not. Because God knows what, God, what can happen when our church grows so big. So be thankful for what you have. I should be thankful for what I have because that way I can live more freely rather than being tied down by people. I mean, trust me, I want our internet ministry to grow too. Don't get me wrong. But man, there are more people tying me down now. See, that's what's going on. And it's getting my schedule more busy. When more people come to this church, I realize how much more busy I am too taking care of those people. <clears throat> Another deficit is deficit of fun. Now, that might be hard for some people who uh, perhaps have grown up a little more. But trust me, I know young people, this is the one thing where they fall into sin so easily and get become worldly. They think that they have to have something worldly and simple so that they can enjoy life. So that's the problem with young people nowadays. So if there are any young people out there watching or in this room listening, you got to realize this, is that sin is sin. And I know that you feel like, well, man, living the Christian life is so boring. Man, it's, man, I need to have those dance bars. I need to have that worldly music. Man, I want to dress up like the world, having the short shorts and being able to have the, oh, I don't know. I don't, I never dressed up like the world, so I don't know all those things that the world, uh, that the world dresses in. Uh, mini skirts and bikinis and etc. Oh, I don't, I'm not able to drink alcohol anymore. Oh man, I can't play those movies and those video games, you know? where I can play those wicked things and I can do the social chats where I can socialize with wicked things. Now, I'm not saying, obviously, all of technology is wrong. I'm not obviously saying that. But you have to admit that when you dig into the world a bit, there's a good chunk, probably 90% of it, that is wrong and filth, <laughs> if you're very honest. Oh, I can't read Harry Potter books anymore? I can't play Guitar Hero anymore. What's wrong with those things? You got to realize this is that, sure, that may be a disadvantage to you because you're not able to have fun, you might think. But I'll tell you one big advantage that you better take advantage of. It's going to save you from a lot of sinful consequences and struggles in your life. Do you know how many Christians who grew up into the world, it's so hard for them when they start to live a clean life to give up the world? Because I, re I know of some Christians who are real heavy into worldly music, and when they said, you know what, that's wicked, I'm going to give that up for Jesus Christ. Do you know how hard for them is for them to get rid of the beat in their head? Dude, it's so much of a struggle. Do you know how many Christians I know of who gave up smoking and drinking and say, you know, that's wicked, I give that up for Jesus Christ, but man, it's so hard and they have a hankering to do that? That's why I thank God that I never grew up with the world because I probably would have struggled as much like those people. When 
you got to realize this. When you start separating yourself from the world and living clean for Jesus Christ, you better thank God that you didn't delve deeper into those sins because when you delve deeper into those sins, the world and sin is going to have a lot more stronger hold on you and it's going to be harder to give it up. If you have a hard time giving up the worldly things, the sinful things that you're doing right now for Jesus Christ, man, guess what? Five years later, it's going to be even harder to give that up. That's why it's best to give it up now for Jesus Christ. Surrender it now for Jesus Christ. Because it's going to save you from a lot of sinful consequences and struggles. Trust me, man. If you still get stuck in this kind of stuff with the world, guess what? It's going to affect your loved ones and your family one day. And guess what? That's why they can't serve Jesus Christ as much. Why? Because you are sticking something worldly and sinful in your life. That's why I notice sometimes, oh, I noticed it sometimes. Some parents, trust me, there's a lot of families in my dad's church, so I noticed it. I notice it's easier for my family to be able to live for God. Why? Because the parents live clean. But when those parents don't live clean, guess what? It's hard for them to discipline their children, hard for them to motivate their children to serve right for Jesus Christ. That's why you yourself should give up the world and sin. Because one day, you're going to affect somebody around you in your household. So what that you give up fun? It's better than the sinful consequences. Sin always has a price. Be sure your sin will find you out. You think that it's worth enjoying sin when it's going to hurt your life. It's going to hurt your loved one. It's going to hurt your eternity, your rewards up in heaven. It's going to hurt your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, after he bled and died for you on the cross. You think it's worth it? See, there's an advantage with the disadvantage of fun. I'll tell you what the advantage is. It saves you from a lot of sinful consequences and hurt. And beside, isn't this world only temporary anyway? This world is so temporary. So trust me, you're going to have plenty of fun for eternity to make up for that. All right, trust me. It will make up your entire lifetime. Besides, who says Christianity doesn't have fun? Christianity is very exciting. It has a lot of fun. But the reason why you don't find it exciting and fun is because you're not even willing to delve into Christianity further. Until you delve into it further, it's going to be one of the most exciting things in your life. There's a deficit of activity. Another disadvantage, there are people who are bedridden. There are people who have nothing to do and they're just stuck at home. Perhaps there are people out there who are jobless and they just got to do something, but then they have that deficit of activity. What a disadvantage. But there's an advantage to that. You know what the advantage is? You got plenty of time now to spend quiet time with the Lord. You got plenty of time to read his word. You got plenty of time to pray to the Lord. You got plenty of time. Because a person who spends much more quiet time with God, they tend to be the people that God finds more favor upon. Didn't you know that? I notice, I don't know about you, but for some of you who know Chuck in our church, I notice that some people, they would rely on Chuck to pray for a certain request. Do you know why they would turn to him? Because that man, that brother who is stuck at home, who is suffering the disadvantage of deficit of activity, he spends a lot of time praying to God. And they know that God finds favor with that man, Chuck, compared to a lot of other people in our church that he really doesn't show as much favor upon. 
You know why? Because he spends that much quiet time with God. And that's a great advantage. You, how many of you want to be the type of person, I want to be probably the number one person that God finds the most favor upon? You want to be that kind of person? The kind of person that God would shed his favor most upon is those kind of people who spend a lot of time with him. That's an advantage. So if I were you, if you got nothing to do at home, pick up a dollar King James Bible from a dollar store and spend a lot of time praying and reading your Bible. And God will do wonders in your life. My second point is disadvantage of distress. Disadvantage of distress. There's an advantage you can use out of distress. But there are several disadvantages we will look at in distress. One of them is busyness, the distress of busyness. Sometimes you can be so busy with the work. Work can bog you down, and then you just feel so much distress out of that. Sometimes the schoolwork and the studies you go through, it just bogs you down and gives you distress. Not only that, even the ministry. Even the ministry can bog you down, and you're just so busy, busy in the ministerial work that you hardly are able to spend time in reading the Bible and praying. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That can happen. Sometimes you're just so busy and that's so distressful. And you feel like, man, I wish that the Lord will just take some time off of my work, take some time off of my school, take some time off of my ministry so I can be able to spend more time with Jesus Christ, be able to do more things for God. But hey, don't look at that as a disadvantage. You can turn that into an advantage. You might say, how so? Why don't you realize? Why not turn that into advantage by using whatever talent you were, you learned at the workplace and in the school and in the ministry? Any money you earned in the ministry and the work, why not use your talent or your money to glorify God? Trust me, if we had members in this church who didn't have jobs, we wouldn't have anybody putting money in the offering plate and we wouldn't even have a church. See, sometimes jobs are good. Why? So you can make money. And not only that, a church, I'm sorry, but a church, this church is going to survive through tithing and offering. That's just the ugly reality. We need money if we're going to survive. We wouldn't have this internet if we didn't have money to buy the camera and the equipment. People online probably would not have gotten saved or known the truth had there not been some people here who suffered through the distress of busyness and through that disadvantage, you guys turned it into an advantage by putting the money into the play. Some of you have suffered the disadvantage of being so busy, but you know what? Do that. You, why not use that to turn it into a talent? What did you learn in school? What did you learn in work? Could you not use that as a talent to help out the ministry and God's work in your life? See, turn that into an advantage. If you guys are going through the distress of busyness, don't just moan and groan and just go through it. Say, look, stop a minute. Let's see what I can use these things for to glorify God. See, you're a pastor here. You know what kind of busyness he's going through right now, right? But I'm not using that as a disadvantage, right? I'm gonna, you notice what I said. I'm gonna use this thing and this thing to glorify God, right, church? That's the reason why you should be doing that too. Another disadvantage of distress is long distance. Oh boy, sometimes that can be a pain in the neck. I, we have members in this church who travel, who drive through long distances, more than an hour sometimes to be able to come to our church, three hour round trip. I mean, it's just so hard, and they look at that as a disadvantage. And it's so hard where you can't communicate with your home church. 
But you know what? You can turn that into an advantage. You might say, how so, Pastor? Why, I'll tell you one thing you can do. One, <clears throat> number one, if I were you, and that's what I did, I listened to a lot of Bible-believing sermons and Bible-believing teachings. I mean, uh, if you don't know, well, Pastor, I don't know what stuff I can turn to. Well, hey, guess what? We even have our own online thing. Trust me, we got <laughs> hundreds of videos, all right? I think that will keep you busy for a long time, okay? That can keep you busy for a long time. And guess what? Then you can have your own Bible study. See that? Then you can learn more knowledge of the Bible. Hey, when I had to go through full-time college and then driving through hours to minister to a church at Palm Springs, you know what I did all that time? I was listening to music. I was listening to sermons. And you know what? That's what developed. That's why I'm able to sing so many specials. And that's why I'm able to preach to you like this. You know why? Because of all the things that I learned from that. See? Why don't you turn that into advantage? If you can't do that, you got to think about another advantage right here. Another advantage is if you live at someplace far away where the ministry is not nearby. Think about this. Didn't you know you're working in an area of an opportunity to do something spiritual for Jesus Christ that nobody in this church, not even the pastor, can do? Wow, what a privilege, what an opportunity that you can minister to those people just by leaving a track or maybe telling someone how to get saved or mentioning them to our church or referring them to our website or praying for that area or through your outward testimony what you show to those people. I don't know, but you got something that you can spiritually do that not even your pastor here or anybody in this church can do. And that includes to those people online watching. Hey, you don't have a Bible-believing church. I'm not even there. But guess what? You guys have the opportunity to do something for Jesus Christ that this pastor cannot reach. See, turn that into an advantage. There's another disadvantage of distress. Finances. Some of you are struggling with money. Some of you are about to go broke. Some of you are in debt. Some of you are tired of seeing those bills piling up in the mail. Some of you actually don't have a job and you're getting really desperate. You're getting really desperate. But you know what? Don't get discouraged about that disadvantage of distress and turn it into an advantage. You might say, how so? When you go through that disadvantage, there is something you're going through that other people don't have. And that's the advantage of increasing faith in God. I notice that it's at those times when you're about to go broke and you think you lose everything, those are the people who work more on faith compared to people who have a stable income, who have their 401ks and everything all set. If you're the type of person that's about to lose everything, you're the type that increases more faith in God compared to other people. Because those people don't have as much faith in God because it's easy to relax when you have everything taken care of. My future's taken care of. My job's taken care of. My finances all taken care of. I got enough money to take care of everything. See, it's so easy not to trust in God after that. It's so easy not to think about God after that. But man, when you are in the bottom of the barrel, I guarantee you this, that's when you're going to open your eyes and that's when you're finally going to pray and that's where you're going to finally going to say, God, I'm working on my faith in you. And usually I notice this. Some people in our church, when they went through financial distresses, I notice that's when 
during those jobless situations, financial situations that they're going through, that's when they finally open their eyes and start to do something for Jesus Christ. And that's where their faith increased in God. I noticed that. There's another disadvantage of distress, such as family. I don't know what's going on in your household, but perhaps your children are not listening to you and you're discouraged and you're distressed about the situation. Perhaps some of you children have parents who are not living right for Jesus Christ and that's discouraging you. Perhaps there's a husband and a wife that's going through fights and situations and because of that you, do, you have an unstable home. Perhaps there's someone in your, in your household who's handicapped, who has some kind of disease, who's suffering some kind of health problem, and you're bound to take care of those people. Perhaps there's some kind of problem in your household, in your family, some kind of distress you're going through in your life, and that's quite a disadvantage to you. Hey, you don't have to make that a disadvantage. You can turn that into an advantage. You might say, how so, pastor? Well, you got to realize this. Without any distress in the family, how can one discover each other's weak points? It is through our weaknesses in life, that's where you the bond gets closer. That's where you discover the person's real self even more. That's where you can work on truly loving that person even more. It's through those kind of distresses in households, you got to understand, that's where the bond can become stronger. That's where you start to learn about what can help your family. That's where you can start learning on what you can do to make things better in your family. It's through distresses in household you can discover each other's weak points and through that gain a closer knowing of that person and know how to work with that person. If everything was humpty-dory, you don't know much about that person. You don't know what you can do to improve things with that person. But if you go through distresses in the household in your life, you know much more now about your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your family members that you didn't know much about before. There's an advantage that can be made out of the disadvantages in distress in the household. And that is what? That is your chance of knowing all that person's weaknesses, all that person's vulnerabilities, all that person's bad points. And know that person even more closely and think, what can I do to improve that family situation? There's a disadvantage of distress through unanswered prayers. Oh, that can be quite a distressing thing. Have you ever been at the bottom of your life, scraping everything in the bottom floor, and you can't find anything, and you are praying and praying, and God didn't give you anything? Oh, I've been through that before in my life. I don't know if you haven't been. Boy, that's distressful, ain't it? That's discouraging, ain't it? Boy, what a disadvantage. But guess what? That can be quite an advantage to you. You might say, how so? Oh, I'll tell you. So that you don't, you don't regret, you don't regret God answering your prayers in the end. Oh yeah. Sometimes you gotta realize this. God is not answering your prayer because He knows that's not for your betterment. That's not for your good. That actually can even hurt you. It can even make things worse for you. Perhaps God knows that if He answered your prayer of giving you a lot of money to take care of that situation, that you would get greedy with that money and through that money you'd start giving up going to church and serving God. And maybe he knows that maybe if he just keeps 
making you poor and broke that you probably keep praying to him and you keep walking in him. See, so that you don't regret to answer prayers. Oh God, give me, give me a friend. Give me a lover to marry. Oh God, give me a family. Well, God knows maybe that if he gave you people in your life, that they burden you, they prevent you from serving God. See, that's why it can be an advantage. There's an advantage through disadvantage. If I were you, if God didn't answer your prayer, i turned that into an advantage by thinking about, thank you, God, for saving my life from falling into a bigger snare, a bigger problem in my life. So thank you for not answering my prayer. Another disadvantage of distress could be criticism. Man, that's hard being a Bible-believing Christian. When you have the whole world criticizing you, that's bad enough. But man, it gets worse when you got your own friends criticizing you. But man, it gets even worse when you got your own family criticizing you. And boy, it gets even worse when your own lover, the one you gave, the one whose body and your body is joined as one, starts criticizing you. Boy, that's hard. You feel like hell. Quite a disadvantage through criticism. But man, don't turn that, don't leave that as a disadvantage. Take that advantage and turn it, take that disadvantage, excuse me, and turn it into an advantage. How so, pastor? Turn it into an advantage by counting every reward and gold piece up in heaven. Because God says, rejoice when your enemies persecute you, when they revile you, because great is your reward in heaven. Guess what? You got some, you got more rewards in heaven that other Christians might not have. You got a chance of increasing rewards compared to other Christians. You know why? Because if you want to increase your rewards more, the best way to increase your rewards is have more people criticizing you, bless God. And when more people start criticizing you and persecuting you, Jesus says, every criticism that I've heard from that person, I'm building up reward more and more. Oh, that's a pretty good deal, don't you think? Be blessed by God. You will be blessed by God for suffering, persecution, being criticized by people. Turn that into an advantage. My last point is disadvantage of damage. Disadvantage of damage. There are many disadvantages in life where we go through tremendous damage. And I mean these damages really hurt. They really hurt your life, your situation. And you pray to God that they never even existed. One of the disadvantages is a damage in health. Boy, when you're going through health problems, it really, really hurts. It really hurts. Think about this. What about people who are bedridden and they're suffering chronic pain? I mean chronic pain where they grit their teeth. How can they rejoice in the Lord after that? Think about people who are suffering pancreatic cancer. How can they rejoice in God? Think about people who were born blind. You know, there was a famous Christian lady who wrote a lot of hymns in our songbook. Her name is Fanny Crosby. She was not born blind until some stupid doctor rubbed some kind of stupid ointment on her eyes and she became blind. Boy, is that something to rejoice and shout about? What kind of advantage is that? What about when you are always in good health and good body and then some tragic accident, some car came along the way and hit your car? And then the doctor said, hey, your back, your spinal cord is all damaged and you can't walk. 
You can't feel a thing anymore. How is that an advantage? What about this? What about if you became mentally ill? Huh? Oh, I know of a pastor's wife. Tragic. Tragic. This pastor, if it weren't for this pastor, my dad would not be a pastor today. But guess what? His wife suffered a tragic car accident. And then now what happened? Now her mind has become very unstable. Boy, that's hard. What if you lost your sanity, huh? You think that's something to rejoice and shout about? That's an advantage? What do you do in damages in life? Those kind of disadvantages. Well, you can either leave that as a damage and cry about it, or it's hard, but it's better. You can take that disadvantage and turn it into an advantage. What are you going to do? You know what a lot of people do when they go through disadvantages? They just leave it alone, right? And because they leave it alone, it becomes a disadvantage. It remains a disadvantage. And that disadvantage will hurt them permanently in life. But you can turn it into an advantage. You might say, how so? How can I turn it into an advantage? You can turn it into an advantage by using that life testimony of yours, of that sickness, that health, and that disease, to convict the toughest of sinners and backslidden Christians. Oh yeah, you can do that. Fatty Crosby, the one who wrote our songs, our hymns, her eyes got damaged because of a stupid doctor who put ointment on her eyes and blinded her eyes. But that testimony of hers speaks aloud to Christians today when she wrote over a hundred hymns. That is quite a testimony, amen? That would convict somebody, wouldn't it? How about some Christians that I know who are suffering cancer? And then this one Bible-believing Christian that I know whose face is like all, whose face is all disfigured because of the disease he's going through. But he was able to win a Jewish doctor to salvation because of that. What about Brother Chuck, who's suffering so much health damage and he couldn't come to our church as much anymore? But because of that, he convicts his counselor and people around them and wins fellow veterans to the Lord Jesus Christ because of that. You know, that kind of testimony would convict even the toughest of sinners. Brother Chuck, his testimony of what he won in court, they the, the law organization that won his case, they use his testimony to brag about and build up their, the esteem of their organization. And they know how Chuck won that miracle because they hear that man always saying, oh, it's not me, it's, and he says that to the lawyers. Well, I don't know what kind of power you got, but you got something. And Chuck says, yep, him. See, that would convict. So you can turn that into an advantage or you can moan and groan about your health problem and not do anything about it. Which one are you going to do? What about the disadvantage of the damages in loss. Do you know what it's like to lose a loved one? What if you lost your wife? What if you lost your husband? What if your only child died? You really think that's something to shout about? You think that's quite an advantage in life? No, it's quite a disadvantage. And that damage really damages. It hurts. But how can you transform that into an advantage? Man, you can either leave it as a disadvantage and take that as the greatest hurt in your life. You know what's interesting? I don't know if it's still true today, but in psychology, st the statistics, 
that one of the number one things that can psychologically damage a person is actually the loss of a spouse. That's pretty interesting, actually. I had no idea about that. But what if that happened in your life? How are you going to handle it? You can take that disadvantage that really hurts and turn it into an advantage. You might say, how so, pastor? How so? When you look at the loss of your loved one in that grave, think about the father who lost his only begotten son on the cross. Feel that grief that the father felt. Feel that grief that the son felt, saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Feel that grief of loss, and you would appreciate your salvation more. And you would appreciate the love of God more. And you would thank God more. And you would treasure your salvation more. Think about the grief that the Holy Spirit feels every time you sin in your body, huh? It's so easy to overlook the grief of the Spirit and just do what you want to do. But until you yourself feel grief, then you're going to know how the Holy Spirit has to feel that grief every day in your life when you sin against God. You know what made God lose his son? It's the sins you commit every day, you got to understand. you got to realize every sin you commit today, that has been nailed upon the cross of his son. So you would start to appreciate a little more what Jesus did for you, and you start to probably even clean up your life a little more. Yes? But you won't until you feel that grief. Turn that into an advantage. There's a disadvantage of damage with misunderstanding. I had that happen before. I had it happen before where I was trying to do my best and the other person misunderstands my intentions. And you didn't do anything wrong. You're in the right, they're in the wrong, but they're just misunderstanding. And man, that really hurts when your brother and sister in Christ, when they look down upon you and they think wrongly of you and they betray you. Has that ever happened before? That happened a few times in my life, and that really hurt. That really hurts. You'll have your loved one. Your spouse misunderstands you and then lets you down. Your daughter, your son lets you down. They misunderstand you. You're trying to show them, I really love you. I care for you. But then the child says, the son and daughter says, no, you don't. And they misunderstand you. Perhaps your mother and father misunderstands you too. And because of that, that grieves your life and that really hurts you. You got friends who misunderstand you. But you can turn that into an advantage. And I've learned to do this too. It helped me in my life. When people misunderstand you, it actually increases your wisdom. Didn't you know that? You might say, how so? Because you're going to be more careful now on what you say and what you do. You get a better understanding of people now. And when you have that in your life, you're going to increase a lot more in wisdom on how to handle situations with people better. And when you're good in handling situations with people, you'd be surprised how handy that would be in soul winning. How handy that would be into defending your faith. How handy that would be even to pastor a church. That actually helped me a lot in pastoring a church. You'd be surprised. Is to how to handle misunderstandings in life. Turn that into advantage by thinking, okay, why did that person misunderstand me? Is it something that I said? Is it something that I did? Oh, maybe if I act this way, if I say it this way, it can turn out better. 
And guess what? You become a much smarter person after that. That would be very useful in the job too, trust me. That would be very useful in the job too, on how to handle people. So that's quite, a, that's quite an advantage, actually a blessing that people misunderstand you in life. Because then you're able to know how to handle people. Addiction damages. That's quite a disadvantage. I don't know what you're going through in your life, but there's something that you're addicted to, that you're stuck with. I don't know what kind of drug it is, or what kind of sexual problem it is, or what kind of worldly thing that you're strongly attached to. But you got to realize this. Every addiction can be broken by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and can turn into an advantage. It is very discouraging to fall back into the same sin again, I know. That can be a very discouraging thing. I've had some people in this church talk to me about that. But don't get depressed about that and use that as an advantage. You might say, how so, Pastor? How can I use that as an advantage? You know what you can do? Use that same testimony of yours because you're not the only one going through that struggle. There are a thousand more people out there who are going through the same struggle. And I can't tell you how many times when there's a person in this church who's struggling with something that they thought that they're the only wicked person falling into, they see a hundred more people in this church that go through the same thing. And they feel like, hey man, don't get discouraged. I've been through that path before. You know how encouraging that is to that person who hears it from you? Sure, it's discouraging. But those are the kind of people, addicted people, have one of the most encouraging motivating testimonies and even sermons too even sermons some of my best sermons that came out in life came from the temptations that I struggled with sometimes those can be my best sermons too persecution is quite a disadvantage and quite a damage that you go through in life perhaps one of the worst perhaps think about those Christians didn't you know that there were Christian women who are sexually abused and raped by Muslims and Catholics. Didn't you know that there were many Christians who suffered persecution under communism? And they were imprisoned and tortured brutally. Do you know how many Christians today, and perhaps you yourself, is suffering persecution right now? There are people harassing you, right? There are people looking down upon you, right? Putting you in a bad position. But the persecution and that disadvantage can be one of the most powerful advantages and one of the most blessed advantages in your life. And that is pleasing your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, walking closer to his suffering that he went through and winning that crown of life. God promised a crown of life to those who went through trials and persecution for his sake. Those are the people who only qualify for the crown of life, you must understand. That crown of life can be yours if you go through persecution. Only through persecution can you go and attain that crown of life. And only through that can you be, can you experience the closeness of the suffering of Jesus Christ. You know, at verses 8 through 9 of Daniel chapter 11, you'll notice this. The king of the south was able to win quite a exhilarating victory at verses 8 through 9. You know how he won quite an exhilarating victory? He was able to make his life more prosperous. Verse 8 and 9, the king of the south lived more prosperously at verses 8 and 9 compared to verses 5. Why? Because of that disadvantage 
at verse 6. When the daughters of the king of the south turned against that king of the south and allianced herself with the king of the north, in verse 8 and 9, that's why he became more prosperous. You know what my point is, church? My point is this, is that in every disadvantage you go through in life, you know what you can do? You can make your life more prosperous than ever before. Those disadvantages could be, be perhaps the only things that can make your life even more blessed, more spiritual, more stronger in Jesus Christ, more rich even than ever before. It's through those disadvantages. That's why if I were you, I would never ever waste, don't you dare waste those disadvantages. Every persecution, trial, financial hardship, health problems, don't let it go to waste. Take those things in your hand, turn them into an advantage, and you can even become more blessed than you were before without those disadvantages. And those disadvantages, you'd one day be grateful for them because it made you a stronger Christian, a more spiritual Christian, even a more blessed person that you would thank God for and you wouldn't trade for the world. You know why I am so convinced of that? Because of my own life. I, rem I would remember those days in my life where I would sometimes wake up 5.30 in the morning, where there were those days where I would only sleep 30 minutes in a day. And because I have to keep myself awake, I can't sleep on a bed, I just sleep on a floor. That way the uncomfortable feeling can force me to wake up. I remember those days where I had to go through those things in life, drive two hours just to minister to two people in church. And I remember those days where I had to work full-time in work, and I'd work full-time in college. And those days where my life felt miserable and felt hell. But you know what made me not quit? You know what made me keep going on? This happened immediately after I graduated PBI. Immediately. Because the Lord was building me up for something better. I told myself this, Gene, if you don't go through this, you know what's going to happen. If you don't go through this, you're not going to get that big blessing at the end. God's building you up for something, Gene. If you can't pass this test, you won't pass any other test in the future. So you have to, you have to pass through this. So I passed through it. You know what happened as a result? Because I took those disadvantages and said, Lord, I'm going to use this for your glory. You know what happened at the end? I got, I graduated from UC Berkeley I graduated with a doctorate degree from with from Dr. Upman School. I was able to publish a book. I was able to pastor a church. I was able to be able to win souls in this liberal community. I was able to change people's lives that I never thought I'd ever change before. Yeah. Not only that, I was even able to change people's lives around the world who watch us online. Who would have thought that from India through some Pacific island over there in the middle of nowhere near the Marshall Islands to the Philippines to South America to England, Europe, Japan. Oh yeah, I can name a lot more people. You'd be surprised what's on our internet. Some people who testified their salvation. Some people who were deceived by false prophets. Who were deceived by people like Joseph Prince, by Stephen Anderson, by James White, by other cults and religions. Paul Begley. And then they watched us. They got saved, and they thanked me for dispensationalism. 
Who would have thought that this would have happened to me? But you know what the most important thing, the most important blessing was? The most important blessing was, is that I was able to minister to you. And that's the biggest blessing, is to personally meet every one of you and be able to help you in your life. Why? Because of that disadvantage. If there was, if that disadvantage, if those disadvantages did not exist, I would not exist here today and be a part of your life. But you see, that life of mine changed. Seven years ago, if I was the one who went through those disadvantages and left it alone and let it go to waste, how different would my life be today if seven years ago I just let it sit in my hand? But what did I do? It transformed my life forever when I took those disadvantages and turned them into an advantage. Now, church, you're that person. What's going to happen to you years later, huh? What kind of person could you have been by now, huh? If you have those disadvantages, are you going to let them sit on your hands still? Or are you going to, after the service, take them and turn them into an advantage? Hello, this is Pastor Gene Kim of San Jose Bible Baptist Church. Have you ever asked this question that if you were to die today, are you 100% sure that you can go to heaven? My friend, it's so simple to get saved. You first got to realize that you can't go to heaven because you've sinned against God. And God, as a holy judge, he has to judge sin with a burning hell. So it is very important that you feel sorry over your sinful condition. And if you do, there is hope for you. You see, Jesus, who is God, left heaven, came down here on earth, died on the cross, raised himself from the dead. Why did he do all that? So his blood can wash away the sins for you. So you see, that's your only way to heaven, of what he did on the cross, and not what you do in cleaning up all your sins, and going to church, getting baptized, or doing any sort of good work. It's faith alone in what Jesus did on the cross. If you can do that, then all you have to do is say that to God. You might say, well, I don't know how to say it. Can you help me out? Sure, you can say it this way. Dear God, I am sorry for being a sinner. I believe Jesus is God who died and resurrected so his blood can wash away my sins. I trust in that alone and not my good works. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Congratulations, my friend. If someone were to ask you, how did you get saved? It's very simple, right? What did you do? I just put my faith on what Jesus did on the cross. That's it. My friend, congratulations on your salvation. Right now, because Satan can't damn you to hell, what he's going to try to do now is try to ruin your life. And he did a very good job in this world. That's why it's so hard to find truth, and there are so many lies with a gazillion different churches, different Bibles, different beliefs, different religions. So my friend, it is so important to grow in truth and get involved in a Bible-believing work that can save you from a lot of trouble. There are four things we recommend for you to do, which is found in the resources link below. Number one, get involved in a Bible-believing church near you. Number two, Study the King James Bible issue and have only that kind of Bible, no other modern version Bible. Number three, study dispensationalism 
so you can find the right doctrine and truth. Number four, study only under Bible-believing teachers. My friend, this is all explained further in the resources linked below, so please click on it and get to work in a Bible-believing work, because you only have one life to live for Him, and you don't want to waste it away by the devil.